It's uh, everything I dreamed of. I don't want to tell my dad that I love him. I still don't know what just happened. I'm just so grateful. Just so grateful for the opportunity to play this game. The legacy is not what you give people, it's what you put inside people, but also what they put inside of me. Hey everyone, welcome to Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. I'm super excited today to have an old friend of mine, yet we are still young, Lisa Motley. And Lisa, welcome. You're in Dallas today, so thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule. No, Maria, thanks. It's good to see you, and thanks for not aging me too much. <laughs> no, well, both of us. You know, we're still under 40s in TV age, of course. Right. <laughs> so we met years ago when you worked for Las Vegas Events, LVE. Then you went to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. LVMS, and now you're with Las Vegas Convention and Visitor Authority. Yes, lots of acronyms there. I went from three letters with Las Vegas events to four letters at LVMS to five at the LVCBA. Um, I love it. And you know Vegas, you know Vegas inside and out. Did you grow up there? I can't remember. I did not. So I've actually been there 22 years now. So I've been there all of my adult life. I graduated from college in Minnesota. I got in my car. uh, I graduated on a Sunday, Mother's Day, got in my car Tuesday. Got to Vegas Wednesday and started my job at the Aladdin, which is now Planet Hollywood on that Saturday. It was still under construction. So I didn't have any time off between the, the college classroom and, and Vegas. You didn't go like I did to Europe and just be a total <laughs> crazy. No, person. I do that now. I do that now. Because <laughs> you live in Vegas. Yes. So um, this podcast is, as you know, beyond the locker room. You've seen it. So Vegas and the NFL draft, I'm going to keep you for two podcasts. And the first one I want to talk about pre-draft. And then the second one, I watched it all weekend. My, I was at my sister. She's like, this goes on all weekend. I go, oh yeah, it's big. And here's a stat for you. I don't know if you knew. The first draft was February 8th, 1936 at the Philadelphia's Rich Ritz Carlton Hotel. 81 players, one internet thing says 90, 81 players in nine rounds, but here's the best. The first pick from the Eagles was the Heisman Trophy winner, Jay Berwanger, University of Chicago. Rather than playing pro football, he opted for a career as a foam rubber salesman because they said back then only 24 of the 81 players chosen went on to play. Most opted for more secure and stable professions, which paid better. I can't blame them though. You know, back then you got to take the sure shot, right? (laughs) I mean, it's crazy. And I love Vegas. You've seen the hockey team, the football team, everything's coming there. When did LVCVA say we want the draft? I'm sure it's been on their radar for years. So, you know, it's, it's funny. We've had a love hate relationship with the NFL for many, many years, uh, dating back like 2003, 2004. um, We wanted to run a commercial in the Super Bowl promoting Las Vegas and it was blocked. Um, so the NFL refused to let us show a commercial for Vegas. And then you can do some research on it as well. We end up getting more earned media value because of the story of this commercial being blocked than if we'd actually run the commercial. So then you fast forward a few years, we're all playing fantasy football. You know, we'll watch the Baltimore Ravens, no offense to Baltimore Ravens fans, if my wide receiver's playing. So fantasy sports and gaming end up having kind of a myriad of a, a love affair, right? So you fast forward a few years, we now have the um, Vegas Golden Knights and we're building Allegiant Stadium. Um, so we're getting the Raiders, so they're committed to Vegas. So it's July of 2017, and a gentleman named, by the name of Brandon Dahl, he was the senior vice president of business development for the Raiders. They didn't live in Vegas yet, but he was in town. He calls me up, and he says, hey, can you have breakfast? I said, sure. So I'm sitting at the Aria, July of 2017, eating scrambled eggs, and he turns to me, and he says, we have seven days to respond to the NFL in the draft. And I'm like, what? Like, I seven thought we were days? just having breakfast. Seven days. 
So the NFL came after us. They had seen what a great destination Las Vegas was, what we have to offer for so many sports leagues. And they were excited to partner now with this new Allegiant Stadium. And they kind of saw the forest for the trees. I mean, it's a it's an amazing destination, 150,000 hotel rooms, dining and shows. The sky's the limit in Vegas. You can do whatever. And it's just a great, it's their audience. It's fans from all over the country, all over the world descend on Las Vegas to watch their game in a sports book, not necessarily in Allegiant Stadium. So we rallied up the troops. I got back to the office that, that Monday and we had PR in a war room by 3 p.m. Um, and Heidi Hayes, shout out to her. She's uh, now at Flyover Las Vegas. She's no longer with us, but she said, let's put on the Bellagio Fountains. So we started working towards that. That's not where the footprint actually ended up. Um, so it took about another 12 months to get everybody on board with where the venues were going to be, if the county was going to approve road closures. Um, so it was a it was a 12-month lift, but July of 2017 was the first time it came on our radar. So I know you know what takes TV. I know Vegas because I also work the National Finals Rodeo where we met years ago. And it is crazy because with that event and like you said, football games, this where we have the um, NFR only holds what 18 some thousand. So right. people go and we do the viewing parties and all. And like you said, they come watch football. I've been on so many planes in and out of Vegas on a Sunday and people are like, oh, no, we just came to watch your game in a hotel. Yep. I'm like, what? And that's the kind of the beauty of Allegiant Stadium too, even a Raiders game. So you're going to come, if you're a, a Broncos fan, you're going to come and you're going to stay in Vegas for three days. It's like, oh, the one thing we're actually here to do is the Broncos game, but let's make it a mini vacation. Or I'm from Minnesota originally, so I can make the shot at Minneapolis. You know, when the Golden Knights are playing here in the destination, coming from a cold market in March, it's 40 degrees there. It's 80 degrees in Las Vegas. I'm going to come to Vegas for a mini spring break and enjoy the weather, enjoy everything around us outside of that game. So we're totally a destination for sports. I know. And it's great. And I love that the Golden Knights are there and now the Raiders are there. I love it. I was like, I mean, I know why over the years Vegas, you know, really didn't have a professional sports team like that. But I was like, it's just makes sense. I get all the betting stuff, but to me, it always made sense. We can just accommodate it again. It's a vacation. So you can come out with your buddies and if the wife wants to come out and not isn't a sports fan, she can go do spa or shopping or whatnot. Or if the ladies are the sports fans and the guys don't want to do it, they can go golfing or, or what that looks like. So it's just, it's a true destination to watch sports in, which is now where we've coined the phrase, the greatest arena on earth, um, because we've got more than 15 venues within five mile radius of the strip. Um, and keeping in mind, we represent all of Clark County. So that's Laughlin and Mesquite. Uh, Boulder City, as well as Prim. So, I mean, anywhere in that footprint, you're about 20 minutes from anything to go see a game. And the, the myriad of transportation options we have with rideshare and, and buses and the monorail, and then soon to be unveiled, um, we currently have at the convention center, you may have enjoyed it during NAB, is that Vegas Loop, uh, which is Elon Musk's in, innovative uh, new transportation mode that will eventually go to 51 stops throughout the destination, including to the airport and downtown and Allegiant Stadium and every hotel. And um, so now you're talking driving in outer space type Tesla vehicles in a tunnel that's like an EDC meets um, technology meets transportation. It's just a very cool, cool thing for the destination, really raised the bar on transportation. But that now makes it much easier knowing the airport's only two and a half miles from the strip. It's a very quick, convenient and just easy to get around city um, and then throw sports on top of it. And now it's the sports and entertainment capital of the world. I love. Yeah, they were offering rides in those Teslas during the NFR this past December. And I'm like, no, thank you. I'm a little claustrophobic. I will just wait till the whole I'll take you. I'll hold your hand. It's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. (laughs) 
We'll have, I've never been on the monorail. I'm embarrassed to say I've never been on the monorail. Everyone's like, what? It's great. People take it all the time. And I'm like, I see it all the time, but I've never been on it. So, so we actually, we purchased the monorail recently Okay. so that we could, um, there was an old waiver that because the monorail was where it was, nobody could do any public transportation west of that on the strip. So we purchased the monorail to get the waivers that we could progress with Elon Musk and going under the strip and really elevating transportation. Um, but the monorail was a key component in the draft. So we offered free park and ride at the convention center for locals because this is a new type of event for us to navigate. And we had over 23,000 people ride that monorail every day. Those are New Year's Eve numbers. Um, but it's convenient. Seven different stops for locals. It's only a dollar round trip. I think for tourists, it's $5. But you can ride all day. And you can have access to everything from NGM Grand all the way down to the Sahara. So it's, it's just a great transportation mechanism for the destination. Well, and you guys had, I think I read over 300,000 fans come in just for the draft. We did. 300,000 fans. Um, and those were unique. Um, and we saw it, we've got the pictures, you know, I can, you know, I used to work with Speedway NASCAR, my first NASCAR when the green flag dropped, I had tears in my eyes when the first saddle bronc went and NFR for my first NFR tears in my eyes, seeing that picture. It was, I mean, this was five years of making because we got paused. Right. Um, so yeah, it just 300,000 people came to the destination uh, we should have harder numbers as to where they all came from versus locals. And um, we do estimate it's pretty high on a tourism standpoint. Um, and it was a great experience to see Lions fans high-fiving Eagles fans. There was no incidences. I think we all waited with bated breath. Our county commissioner, Nap even said it was the most well-behaved crowd we've ever had in Las Vegas. It was a celebration of NFL. It was a celebration of family, celebration of football, and a celebration of the destination, everything just descending on top of each other. So it was, it was in the words of Roger Goodell, better than perfect, which is my new tattoo. I'm going to get a tattoo that says better than perfect. I love it. I'll, I'll join you on that. Okay, great. Um, we'll do it in Vegas. There might be a cocktail involved beforehand, though, because I don't like pain or needles. <laughs> I won't say no to any of those. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you got you had you were having your scrambled eggs. They're like, we, we need an answer ASAP. Were you guys supposed to do it before 2022? Did the pandemic delay it all, I'm assuming? So, yeah, it, it, very interesting story. So we had been awarded 2020. Okay. And we were awarded 2020 prior to Nashville hosting in 2019. It's the first time ever the NFL awarded a city in advance. So we took advantage of that. And about five of us went down to Nashville and we met from everybody with their public safety to their volunteers, to their CBB to figure out fundraising and how you can do a client trip on top of it. So we were pretty well-versed. So we were going down that path. We were three weeks from the draft in 2020 and the plug got pulled, and Roger Goodell ended up doing it virtually in his basement. Um, up until those three weeks, we were still being told it's a go, and none of us could understand how this was going to look. Uh, Cleveland had already been awarded 21. Um, there was some conversations, and most of you probably know, or I know, Maria, you do. We're, we're not competing against other destinations. We're all in this together. Events elevate themselves with cooperation from other destinations. Cleveland already had contracts in place. We're a big supporter of Cleveland's. So we said, keep 21, we'll go ahead and take 22. So again, we went back to Cleveland and did the same meetings, um, but we were also a good sounding board for them too on what their plan was because they didn't get to come see ours in 2020 because it was postponed. So we all help each other. Uh, we hosted a future host city brunch uh, on Friday of draft. I can tell you two of the cities because they've already been announced. 
So Kansas City was there. They will host next year. And Detroit will be hosting in 2024. So we hosted them. And again, we're all going to help each other. You know, rising tides raise all ships. We'd love to host the draft again someday. But if we don't see that happen, we want to make sure it's successful somewhere else. So yes, to your point, we were supposed to have it in 2020. Um, I will text you later. I have a koozie that I found in a grocery store before 2020 with the dates. It was all printed. Um, so on the night of the draft, I, I think we're Facebook friends. I posted, you know, somebody just let me have one moment of tear because tomorrow the lion roars. Like we knew it was still coming, but it was just a minute to just go, okay, two and a half years. And now we got to wait two more years, but it was well worth the wait. Well, over 10 million people viewed on ESPN, ABC, NFL Network. Um, and that was just a small part of the whole weekend. It went Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yep. All day. I watched mm-hmm. all of them. And we were watching, I said, as my sister, she's like, people are still going. I go, do you know that some of the best football players went really late, you know, in the draft, the Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, but these people were just, you know, they were sitting there and it's amazing too. One of my um, vlogs slash podcasts here was with Mark Rippon, who was my older brother's age. And he said, I go, what'd you do on draft day? He goes, we didn't have TV. We, you know, we didn't have the coverage. He goes, I took a nap. I ate, I, was, I waited for a phone call. So, you know, we're back in 36. They were just, they, you know, weren't even there. They waited for a phone call. So it wasn't that long ago that people were just waiting for a phone call. And now you have the TVs on, you know, in their house. If they didn't come to Vegas, you have guys in Vegas, the outfits don't even get me started on those. Right. But it's just so amazing to get all those people, all the fans. We were wondering, how did you choose which fans because it was Eagles next to Lions next to Seahawks. How did you guys choose which fans showed up and got to be there? So that comes from the club level. So all 32 clubs will do either a social media promotion or they know who the core fans are. They're the ones who've had season tickets for 30 years. They're the ones sitting in that section. They're the ones in Green Bay with no shirts on and in 20 below zero. Um, so the, the clubs actually will dictate who their fans are. And that's called the inner circle. And they are picked by design because they've got energy to go all three days. And they know this is really a made for TV broadcast. So you got to be on and you got to be on all the time. And, you know, there's some really cool stuff on day three when we were picking round or drafting rounds four through seven. A lot of those inner circle clubs, one or two people got to go up and do a pick. So they would get to go on the stage and say with the 262nd pick, you know, Mr. Irrelevant is. So it was it was very cool to get the fans involved as well. Yeah, we were wondering that. And then I know, you know, you guys were all ready to go a few weeks before then everything got shut down because of the pandemic. What did you guys do as, I mean, a business? Vegas is, like you said earlier, (laughs) such a destination and you're ready for the draft. And then you're like, okay, well, hopefully in 2022 have it, but you guys have other events. So how do you put the draft not on hold, and then the whole city goes on hold. I mean, if there's a city that got affected, it's Las Vegas. Yeah, that was the hardest. It took me about 50 days to go down the strip because I didn't want to see it. Um, I'm going to be a little emotional. I got so energized to get those lights back on. So coming into COVID, we end up getting um, shut down right around St. Patrick's Day. Um, and I was in the middle of planning Pro Bowl for 21. And I was told, I need you to save the draft. And I need you to save the Pro Bowl. So me coming out had to focus on those. Where Jenny on my team, who really oversees youth and amateur, she's now just, we're trying to figure out, okay, are we going to go after prospecting? But now you're making cold calls for people who don't even know if their organization is going to exist. So we made the call very early on that we were going to focus on July of 21 and beyond. 
We weren't going to spin our wheels with everybody trying to relocate because we just didn't know what that looked like. And it served us well. Um, speaking of the youth and amateur, the first event held in Las Vegas, Jenny spent 10 months during COVID on was the USA Volleyball Girls Junior National Championships. It was over 50,000 room nights for the destination. It was the first sporting event in the brand new West Hall, which we had had to open late because of COVID. And sports started to see the rebound there. So for me, it was not only just drafts and Pro Bowl, and then we're going through saving events and relocating them and moving things around. Then in September of that year, I got the call. Uh, we are a government agency. So anything is pretty much public record that you can request. Um, and I got the call that said, come pick up, pick up the flash drive. I got the Super Bowl bid. So then I spent majority of the next six months really honed in on this bid. Um, and, you know, we're also working on some other events. We'll announce a, a cycling event next week. Um, a lot of sponsorships in there, some soccer, uh, working through with our partners at the Allegiant and UNLV and a lot of the NCAA's upcoming stuff. So it was really for us, just keep going, stay positive, keep going. And it was great. Our phone calls to the hotel partners, because we're run, funded by a hotel room tax, our calls were always, we've got an event for you, not a, hey, an event is canceling. Because we took the approach of, let's take these next 18 months out of the cycle. Um, if we get something, that's great but we need to focus on the future and, and move forward. And um, so ours were all very positive, energetic calls. And I can't tell you how many people would call me and go, thanks for calling. Like that made my day because they're probably facing 10 other groups that just canceled because conventions took it much harder than sporting events. And um, so it was just more of a stay positive attitude and, and just keep going. Well, and I think so many people that took that attitude of kind of having an end date, like, okay, you know, or, or a new beginning date, I should say, it really you know, it behooved them to do that. And because this was something no one ever thought of. I mean, it was like, how are you going to play ball? How, you know, all the restrictions, you know, do you go like basketball did, you know, in the bubble in Orlando or do you, and so it was just, I mean, it was uncharted territory and for you guys to stay positive. And I think the best thing, anything during the pandemic, especially in sports is reaching out to people. I yes. mean, so many people went through so much, whether they lost a loved one or, you know, football, their game got canceled or this or that, you know, they got it themselves, the whole vaccination thing. I mean, there's so much going on that, you know, just reaching out to someone in any aspect, I think yes. put you guys uh, above and beyond a lot of different aspects of sports, conventions, whatever. Well, you know, a couple of things there. So we actually hosted um, U.S. Figure Skating Skate America in a bubble format. And I remember sitting on a panel with Tyler Baldwin. He's the executive director of Orleans Arena. And he said, I want to get rid of this COVID bubble mentality. Like we were striving. We were happy to host the events in that format. We're glad we perfected it and it was successful, but we don't want to do it again. We just don't want to do it again. Um, and then Allegiant for Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, he made the call. We've got a brand new stadium we're supposed to open uh, in 2020 in the fall for the Raiders season, opening season. He makes the call, no fans. It was his decision. Um, and because he said, if we only had 20,000 fans in there, that's not why we built this. That's not what Raider football is about. It's about blowing the roof off of Allegiant Stadium. And so he didn't even go to a home game the first year. So they kept it empty with no fans. So it was everybody bought into that culture. Um, everybody wanted to be supportive, didn't want to be a, well, if you can do it and I can't. So it was, we were really all in it together. And yes, quite a few people lost their jobs. And like I said, I took that drive down the strip. And it was game on, like, let's get these people back to work as soon as we can. Yeah, it was scary. So real quick, before we stop for this week, um, the I call it the pre-pro, pre-production. 
the TV, all of that. Um, and then we'll get to it next week about the actual production. Sure. Did the NFL come in and say, okay, we got to have all this covered. Was it you guys? Was it a partnership? Cause that's a lot of people to hire a lot of cameramen, a lot of everyone. So it's really the NFL show. Um, and we can talk about next week about what our role was and how we supported. It's a true partnership, but it is their show to produce. Um, and knowing that Vegas is more based on tourism and driving heads and bends, and this is more of a made-for-TV broadcast event, it was the, both, the best of both worlds for us. So we got a three-day infomercial for Las Vegas, as well as driving tourism. So it, most of the onus was on the NFL. Obviously, we had to help with the, a lot of stuff in the city. So. Well, uh, stay tuned, everyone. Next week, we're going to talk about what your schedule was like, because I'm sure you didn't sleep much in those days ahead and the days of. So keep it right here. Hit that subscribe button. More with Lisa Motley next week on Beyond the Locker Room with Maria. Thanks, everybody. Have a good week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.